You are listening to a New Season Church audio sermon. Prepare your heart to hear a word from God. Well, this morning I'm carrying on with our series, Elijah. And this morning we're going to be looking specifically at effective prayers. And let me ask you a question. Have you ever prayed prayers that seemed like they were going everywhere except to God? They felt like they were just hitting the floor, hitting the walls, hitting the ceiling. They were hitting everything except the ears of God. Maybe you've been praying for your marriage, or you've been praying for a job, or you've been praying for your business. Or you've been praying, uh, maybe you're struggling with certain things. Maybe you're struggling with anger or some sort of addiction. And you've been saying, I can't keep going through this thing. I keep, can't keep struggling with this thing for months on end and years. God, take this thing away from me. And you got into a point where you've been praying for your relationship to be healed. You've been praying for God to remove the anger uh, that, that you have, your temper. And it just feels like nothing's happening. It feels like prayer just doesn't work. You pray, but it becomes more of a thing that you have to do instead of really believing that there's actual results in prayer. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at Elijah and we're going to be going to take some key elements and some key principles that make effective prayers. You see, Elijah knew how to pray. He knew how to pray. And he had, uh, as we go through the account in in 1 Kings, we're going to see that there are certain principles in his prayer life that enabled him to have very effective prayers. James 5.17 says, Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. This is a powerful scripture. Not because it tells us how effective Elijah's prayers was, but it's a powerful scripture because of what it says right in the beginning of that scripture. It says that Elijah was just like everyone else. He was just as human as we are. There was nothing specifically very special about Elijah. And why do I say that? Because the word tells us that God is not a respecter of persons. You see, God doesn't have favorites. He doesn't have someone that he favors over somebody else. Every single one of us have access to his promises through Christ. And so Elijah had had these very effective prayers. It says that when he prayed earnestly, he prayed that no rain would fall and none fell for three and a half years. But he was just as human as we are. And that's so encouraging because it means that prayer is not something that's selected for a few people, but effective prayer is something that all of us have access to. And if we know certain principles and we, if when we start to apply those principles, we can start to have very effective prayer lives. I believe that prayer is something that people don't do because they don't necessarily see the results of it. And so they do it now and again. They do it in a church service. They do it before they eat. But they don't do it believing that prayer is effective. And I believe it's because maybe there are certain principles that they have missed or they haven't applied in order to produce very effective prayers. So be encouraged this morning. You and I have exactly the same access and they can have the exact same results of prayer as what Elijah did. And so we're going to dive into that. And so we're going to pick up from uh, 1 Kings 
uh, chapter 18. And remember where we are in this part of the account of Elijah. Elijah had been sent to Ahab to, to question him, to challenge him, because Ahab had turned the, the hearts of the Israel nation away from, from God. He had uh, caused them to now worship false idols. And, and Elijah goes to him and tells him, basically, because you've done this and you refuse to repent and turn the nation back to God, God is now going to shut up the, the clouds and there's no longer going to be any rain. And so at the word of Elijah, Elijah prays, no rain comes. And he's now sent into a season of wilderness, a wilderness season of isolated pain, total dependence, unconditional obedience. And he's sent to the widow and he there, uh, he he is able to be fed and provided for on that little bit of oil and that little bit of flour that doesn't dry out or dry up. And the son of the widow dies and he raises, raises him from the dead and he gets sent back to uh, Ahab to challenge the prophets of Baal and Asherah and to say, look, at the end of the day, if your God is the true God, then let's worship him. But if God, my God, is a true God, then we need to follow him. And we're going to do a test and they do a sacrifice and the prophets of Baal shout and jump for basically the whole day and nothing happens. And in an instant, when Elijah steps up to the sacrifice and he prays, in an instant, God sends fire and he licks up that whole sacrifice. The meat, the bones, the water, everything is consumed by God's fire fire and we see that the whole of the nation of Israel recognizes God as the true God bows down and worships him and so that's where we pick up this story and right now we're in the part where uh, Elijah is now instructed by God to go back to Ahab and now to pray that the rain now starts to come. It's been three and a half years since there's not been any rain. That's a very long drought. And now Elijah is to pray that the rains will now start to come on the lands of Israel. And that's, uh, you can turn to 1 Kings 18 verse 41 and 42. And it says, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go get something to eat and to drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. The fact of the matter is every single one of us struggles with prayer. Consistency is difficult. Authenticity is really hard at times. And every single one of us will go through seasons where we struggle with our prayer life, where we feel like our prayer life is dry. But if you will lean in this morning, if you will engage with the Word of God this morning, I believe that you will walk away from this message this morning with some key principles, some key dynamics that you can apply today that you can start to develop an effective prayer life. And so I want you to lean in this morning. I would want you to engage with the Word of God this morning. And so the first thing that we see with Elijah and his prayer life is that, and you can write this down, is that effective prayers are humble prayers. Elijah gets sent to Ahab and to say to Ahab, look, you need to go and eat and drink something because there's a mighty thunderstorm that is coming. It hadn't rained for three and a half years and all of a sudden, Elijah is now to pronounce the rain. And so what is the first thing that he does? 
He goes up to the top of Mount Carmel. He bows down, puts his head between his knees and he starts to pray. Now, I believe that he could have had a little bit of arrogance because, I mean, look at what he'd done. He had closed up the clouds, he'd prayed. He'd raised the, 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 the young man from the dead. He had come and he had prayed that God consumes uh, the sacrifice and he'd stared down 900 false prophets. There could have been an element of arrogance in Elijah. He could have just sat there and tried to snap his fingers and say, Hey, you know, the rain, let there be rain. But he didn't do that. He goes up to the top of Mount Carmel and he puts his head between his knees and he starts to pray. Why? Because he understood that without God, he, could do, he couldn't do anything. He understood that in and of himself, he can't cause any rain to come. He needed God. And so what does he do? He bows himself uh, below himself. He, he humbles himself. He puts in, himself low on the ground, puts his head between his knees, and he starts to pray. He was humbling himself. And that is a key principle in prayer, in an ev- everyday journey with God. 1 Peter 5, 5-6 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. This is a powerful scripture. It literally says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I want to make a quick distinction here. Humility is not meekness. Humility is not lack of confidence. When the word talks about humility, it doesn't mean that we must lack self-esteem and, and, and think of ourselves as something that is worthless. That's actually completely opposite of what God says, that we, how we need to view ourselves. But we need to have confidence, but it, it matters who and what we have confidence in. You see, pride means that we have confidence in ourselves. Humility means that we have confidence in God. And so a key component to effective prayers and really our walk with God, our journey with God, is humility. Because the word says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So when we, when we have confidence within ourselves, what we do is we are in essence telling God that we don't need your help. I've got this. I can handle this on my own. But when we have humility, when we are confident in God, what we're saying to God is, look, I can't do this on on my own. I need your help and I know that you are able to do this. And then what that does is that opens, opens up grace, the unmerited favor that flows to us and through our life. And so how do we know whether we're walking in humility or we're walking in pride? Well, one of the measures that I've seen that, that is, a, is a measure of our pride or humility is our ability to accept gifts or our ability to accept blessings from other people. I'm sure you've had this before when someone gives you a gift just because and you turn around and say, oh, no, I can't accept that. No, it's not necessary. No, I don't need that. But in actual fact, deep down inside, that thing is such a blessing to you. I know it's a simple example, but it really points to the the condition of a heart. Or when someone tries to offer you help, 
When someone tries to say to you, look, let me help you with that, or maybe gives you advice, or you ask for help, that is another great measure. Your ability to ask for help, your ability to say, hey, I'm, I'm struggling in this area, can you help me? Those are elements of humility and pride. Our inability to ask for help, our inability to say, hey, I was wrong in that situation, our inability to, to say, I, I need some assistance here, points to a condition of the heart that has some pride in it. And the word says when we are pride, when we when we are proud, God resists that. But when we humble ourselves, when we say, hey listen, I need some help. I'm struggling in this area. Or I was wrong. Or accepting a gift with 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 gratitude to say, thank you. Appreciate it. This is so awesome. This is exactly what I need. See, oftentimes we, we think it's noble to say, oh, we don't, oh, no, it's fine, it's not necessary. Oh, no, I don't need that. We think it's noble because for some reason we think that that is the right response. When in actual fact, acceptance of a gift, how do we receive from God? We receive, we accept the gift of salvation, we accept the gifts that He has in His Word for us. And it's the same way. And this is the reason why this is so important, is because there could be people in your life that just by having a conversation with them, they might give you the, the spark, they might give you that one word that might be the, the, the key to your breakthrough in that area. But if we're not allowing other people to speak into our life, if we're not allowing ourselves to receive assistance or help or encouragement, we might be robbing ourselves of the blessing. So remember, humility is not lack of confidence or lack of self-esteem. Humility is confidence in God. Next uh, key to effective prayer, number two, and write this down, it's effective prayers are specific prayers. How many times have you prayed prayers like this? God, thank you for breakthrough. God, thank you for help today. God, thank you that it will be a great day. God, thank you that you meet my needs. And although those prayers aren't wrong in and of themselves, we understand the intention behind it. We understand the heart behind those prayers. The problem is what makes them ineffective prayers is the lack of specificity. What exactly does breakthrough look like? What exactly do you need help with today? What needs are you specifically asking God to meet today? What does a good day look like? You see, Elijah was very specific with what he was praying for. How do we know that? Well, it's because of what he told his servant to do. And so let's look at 1 Kings 18 verse 43. It says, Then he said to his servant, Go and look out towards the sea. What was he doing? He was looking for a very specific action. He was looking for a very specific sign. He knew that they needed rain. And he knew that rain would be coming. The signs of rain would be coming from the sea. You see, Elijah didn't pray a prayer like this. God, thank you for breakthrough in our economy. God, thank you for breakthrough in our agricultural sector. God, thank you that you provide for the needs of your nation. He didn't pray or pray like that. He under, those were the, the needs that, that, that they needed at the time. But he understood what was needed to produce that result. 
You see, he understood that they needed rain. That was what was needed at that time in order to have economic breakthrough, in order to have increase in agriculture, in order to make sure that there was food for the nation. He didn't necessarily pray for the end result, but he prayed for the specific need that, that, he, the, the, that was needed at that time to produce that result. So as an example, if you have a business, instead of praying for breakthrough in your business, define what that breakthrough looks like. What do you need to happen in order to have breakthrough in your business? Do you need more clients? Okay, how many more clients do you need? Okay, how many people do you need to speak to in order to have those clients? How many people are you trusting this week that you're going to speak to that will end up being clients? You see, we need to be very specific with our prayers. There's a saying that says, where if you aim for nothing, you're going to hit it every single time. If you aim for nothing, you're going to hit it every single time. And that's the same with our prayer lines. If we are not specific in our prayers, we're going to hit it every single time. Because a breakthrough for me and a breakthrough for you are very different things. And so when we pray unspecific prayers, it makes us ineffective. It, gives, it makes our prayer life ineffective. And we don't see the result of that because we, we're casting a net too wide. So we want to be very specific with our prayers. We want to be praying for very specific things. What do you need right now? If you're saying, well, I'm, I'm, I'm currently looking for a job. Well, okay, what, spe what specific job are you looking for? What specific sector? Where specifically are you looking, uh, looking uh, to be working? And I believe often that the reason why we aren't specific with, with our prayers is we almost feel like we, we're bothering God when we do that. Like we shouldn't be asking for such things. We should be just happy with what we get. And we're thankful for the blessing that God gives us. But God has told us that we are to give very specific prayers to Him. We are to make our specific requests known to Him, the Word says. He says that you, He can do exceedingly abundantly we ask for or imagine. So if He's saying to us, whatever you ask for, whatever you imagine in your head, I can do more and above that then you should have no issue with asking for very specific things and praying for very specific things. So effective prayers are specific prayers. Number three, and write this down, effective prayers are persistent prayers. And so now we're in the point of the story where Elijah is sending his servant to check for rain at, out in the sea. So he's out at Mount Carmel, he's praying, he's humbled himself, and he's saying to his servant, I want you to go and check uh, for the signs of rain. And so let's pick it up from verse 43. It says, the servant went and looked and then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. That's a bit confusing, isn't it? We've seen Elijah pronounce uh, the drought. We've seen him raise the boy from the dead. We've seen uh, for three years being supplied with the oil and the water. And now he's praying and the servant says, I don't see anything. And let me ask you a question and be honest. How many times have you prayed prayers and you've waited a day, a week, a month, and you've kind of given up on that thing? And you most probably said, well, I guess it wasn't God's will in the first place. God doesn't want me to have this thing. You kind of gave up on that prayer. Now let's see what Elijah does. 
verse 43 and it says seven times Elijah told him to go and look finally the seventh time his servant told him I see a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea so what did Elijah do when he when his servant came back and said look I don't see anything well here's what he didn't do he didn't turn around and say ah well I guess that's it we've prayed and there's nothing he didn't turn around and say well I guess pronouncing the drought was a fluke it was really by accident that God fed me by the ravens by the brook Cherith it was really an accident there must be some other explanation for why the 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 oil didn't run out and the and the flour didn't run out and that boy probably wasn't even dead he was unconscious so he was just playing and when when the sacrifice was burnt up I'm sure there's another uh, another explanation for that and so I guess this prayer thing never worked and so I guess we're just gonna give up I guess I was wrong God doesn't want us to have rain so let's just go home he didn't do that you see he had been through for so many things he had seen God move so many times that he was just like no go back and check so he tells the servant I want you to go back and check and so the servant goes back and checks and comes back and he says there's nothing there's no rain and he tells him go back and check and he's Sermon comes back and he said, look, there's nothing. There's nix. Lefela. There's nothing. There's no sign of this rain coming. And most people would have given up on the first time. More committed people probably would have gone back three or four times and said, well, clearly there's nothing. Elijah sent the boy back seven times. Seven times. And on the seventh time, what does he do? The, the young man comes back and says, Well, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. You see, we need to understand that there is power in persistency. Effective prayers are persistent prayers. And remember, Elijah wasn't anything special. The word says that he was like any one of us. He was just human like us. But he made a decision to have confidence in God. He made a decision to, to pursue God. He made a decision to persevere. Because here's the thing. Persistent prayers reveal our inward confidence. You see, Elijah had an inward assurance because of what he had seen God do previously. He was so confident in God's ability. He was so confident in God hearing his prayers. He was so confident in what God will do. It didn't matter what he saw. It only mattered what he had experienced and what he had been through with God. There was an inward assurance and his persistency was the outward expression of that inward assurance. And so here's the thing, we're not always going to see the immediate answer to our prayers. The, our, our circumstances won't always look like our inward assurance. But we need to make sure that we don't allow our outward circumstances of what's going on to affect our inward assurance. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. God will come through. God is able. God stands behind His Word to perform it. James 5.16 says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The earnest prayer, the persistent prayer, the engaged prayer, the passionate prayer. 
those prayers produce much wonderful results. They produce great things in our lives. So here's the question for you and for me. What are the things that you should be praying for that you've given up on? What are the things that you've given up on that you need to start praying for again? Is it your marriage? Is it that that thing that you're dealing with, that character issue that you're dealing with? Is it, is it your children? Is it your finances? Is it your business? What are the things that you need to start praying for again that, you sh- that you've given up on? The things that maybe you prayed once or twice or three times, that you need to have prayed for five or six or seven or eight or hundred or a thousand times. And here's the thing, it's not about the amount that matters. It's, number seven isn't a key magic number that now when you pray seven times, the thing comes through. What your persistency reveals is your heart condition. In Jewish culture, you know the scripture that you, that you need to ask, you need to knock, you need to seek. In Jewish culture, when a child, a son comes to the father to ask for something, the father never gives it to them the first time. What he does is he waits and then he waits for the son of the child to come back the second time and he still doesn't give it to them. And then he waits for them to come back the third time to ask for the same thing and then he will grant them what they're asking for. You see, the father wanted to give it to the child in the first place. But what was he looking at? He was looking at how much the child actually wanted it. You see, because if the child came the first time and went away, never came back, he knew I don't really, the child doesn't really want that blessing that he's asking for. But if he came back three times, he understood that the persistency revealed the character of the child because the character that was needed to sustain the blessing would be revealed in the persistency. So be persistent with your prayers and start praying again for whatever that thing that you have stopped praying for. Number four, effective prayers are expectant prayers. And this is one of the most important keys of effective prayers and really effective walks with God. What are you expecting of God? What are you expecting when you get up each morning? What are you expecting God is going to do in your life? What were you expecting as you sat down this morning to watch the service? Expectancy is such a powerful thing and it's such a crazy thing. Here's the thing about expectancy. If you expect nothing, you'll never be disappointed because most of the time, You'll, ex- you'll get exactly what you're expecting. Nothing. You see, expectancy is like, like a vessel. It's like a container. When we come to God, we come with a container. We come with a certain measure of expectancy. And so our container can be a little cup. It can be our hands cupped together. And God will fill that vessel with which we, which we come. It can be, it can be a, a water jug. And God will fill that. You can come with a bucket and God will fill it. And you can come with a Jojo tank and God will fill that. It all depends on how much you want God to fill. It's determined by your expectancy. What are you expecting of God? And so let's see what Elijah did. And we see that in verse 44 to 45. And it says, Then Elijah shouted, Hurry to Ahab and tell him, Climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And soon the sky was black with clouds and heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm. And Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. And we see, we see the servant, we see Elijah send the servant to check for rain seven times. And on the seventh time, the servant comes back and say, 
Well, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand. And so here's what Elijah doesn't do. Elijah doesn't go and say, Oh, well, I guess that's it. Okay, that's okay. It's, it's a man's hand. It's not really what we wanted, but, you know, I guess it's something. Elijah doesn't do that. Elijah jumps up and says, Yes, that's what we needed. That's what I'm looking for. God is about to move. Go and tell Ahab to get in his chariot. Otherwise, the rains are going to catch him. He's basically saying, listen, there is a crazy storm coming. And if you don't go now, it's going to catch you. It's going to wipe you out. But all they saw was a cloud the size of a man's hand. So what is he saying? Expectancy. Excuse me. Expectancy. Elijah was expecting great things. And what did he do? He backed that expectancy with action. You see, we can't just expect things of God. We can't pray to God and say, God, and be specific with our prayers. And then say, thank you, God, I receive it. And then we sit down and eat a sandwich. Expectant prayers are effective prayers. But effective prayers must be backed by action. And I feel like this is where we miss the mark for most of us when it comes to prayer. Is that the most effective prayers are those that are backed up by action. You see, Jesus said, I only do what I see my father do. That's a powerful statement. What was he saying? He said, look, when I pray, I go to God, I humble myself, I ask for specific things in prayer. And then I allow God to show me what that looks like. And so then I'm expectant of God to move in that situation, but I'm, I'm doing what, I'm, what my father showed me to do. Prayer is not about twisting God's arm. It's about going to God to say, God, where are you in this situation? Show me where are you so that I can take the actions that I need to get to where you are. And I gave you that example in, in the beginning of the sermon where I said, look, if you have a business... You, you, and you need to be specific. You need to go to God and say, God, I'm trusting you for so many clients. I know I need to speak to so many people. And I'm trusting that I can convert so many people into clients. You're being specific. And that's great. Being specific, going to God, humbling yourself, being specific, being persistent with that prayer, and being expectant. But here's the thing. If you never pick up the phone and phone any of those prospective clients, if you never talk to them, if you never advertise, your results are going to be very disappointing because you never took the action to produce or you never took action based on the prayer that you prayed. Our action reveals expectancy of God. You see, if you never picked up the phone and you never advertised, you actually weren't expecting anything of God. So effective prayers are are prayers that are backed up by action. We can't just pray a prayer and be expectant, have the feeling of expectancy, and then sit back down and just wait for things to happen. I mean, imagine we did that with the church. Imagine Samantha and I prayed and we said, God, we're trusting you for this church and we believe that you have a church and and we're being persistent with it. And then after we pray, we say, Amen. And then we sit down and we never take any action. At some point, we needed to get a venue, we needed to let people know, we needed to gather people, and then expect God to send people like yourself to that church. 
Because if we had never done it, if we had never taken action behind what God was telling us to do, behind the prayer, none of you would be here right now and New Season Church would never exist. And so it's so important that when we pray prayers, that they are humble prayers, they're specific prayers, they're persistent prayers, and they're expectant prayers. But our prayers must be backed up with action. Because your assurance is not in yourself. Your insurance is in God who will do what you've asked Him to do and will stand behind His word to perform it. So I encourage you today to take those principles and start applying them in your prayer life. And take the step of faith. That's why it's called a step. You've got to take an action of faith to produce the result that you trust in God to produce in your life. But at the end of the day, all of this means nothing unless we have a relationship with God. You see, you will only have assurance within yourself when you have a relationship with God. You will only have assurance within yourself that God will do what He said He will do, that God will help you based on His previous actions. And the greatest assurance that you can ever have and I can ever have that God is there with us, that God is, is, is with us, that He never leads us, leaves us, no, no forsakes us. The greatest assurance that we can have is what, what happened 2,000 years ago. That Jesus died on the cross, that He took our sin and our shame, that God loved us so much that He will put Himself in human bodily form and take on our sin, sin, that very thing that separated us from Him and the promises of God, and will put it upon Himself and will be our substitute. That is the greatest sign of assurance. That is why you and I know and can trust God because He showed us how trustworthy He is. He showed us how much He loves us. He showed us how much He cares for us. And He showed us that nothing, nothing will ever be able to separate us from His love. We trust that this message has blessed you. We would like to invite you to worship with us every Sunday at 9 a.m. at our Easter's campus.